Welcome to the KDB Review Podcast. My name is Andy Davis, of course, and this is the first of two special episodes of the show coming to you live from the NEC and KDB Birmingham. I'm currently wandering the aisles here, and it's fair to say that this isn't the busiest one of these I've ever been to, and there's clearly a lot of big brands missing that are usually here with a large presence, but given all the circumstances, I think it's a good show to support the industry, and funnily enough, I think the brands and exhibitors that are here, I think, are having a bit of a field day as there are plenty of very engaged retailers here to do some business by the people I've bumped into. What's really interesting actually here is how much I think retailers are looking to genuinely expand their horizons a little with new suppliers in a way that they might not have before. Maybe, perhaps some brand loyalty has been eroded because of the current supply chain issues. I think that's probably quite an important factor here this week. You can probably already hear in my voice that uh, several days in the NEC does take its toll and I've already got a rotten cold. I know that really is all I've got. I've taken the test. So apologies for that. I come sneeze on you around here. Uh, right, so I think we need to boil this down and say that I think there's several things to examine here with people. Firstly, it's just the novelty of being back together face-to-face. And then what the current state of the market actually is. Is the boom still booming? Are people still as busy as they were? Let's see what they think. Secondly, it's these ongoing supply problems that are still very much happening. How are people managing? Are there any workarounds? When is it likely to get better? I think this is the uh, defining topic of this week. And thirdly, I think it's about what happens next. Is it possible to make any predictions about the future? The meaning you can forecast or plan in any actual accurate way. Let's have a wonder and see what we can find. I'm Jim McEwen, Chief Commercial Officer of Hire UK. Hire, obviously, the biggest appliance complete in the world, depending on your definition. I'm sure Whirlpool would disagree in some areas, but absolutely clearly, absolutely phenomenally huge. How important is it for you to be at a show like this? It's, it's, it's a niche market compared to a lot of the other markets that you work in. Uh, and I think it's really important, as you say, really recognised as the global leader. But within the UK market, Hire is almost the best kept secret. The brand is not known by, uh, by the consumer or by a lot of the retailers. Key reason for us being here is so we can really showcase what we're about as a brand. Uh, Premium products playing in the premium space, but with real technological advances that really engage with the consumer in a different way. So it's really important for us to be able to get in front of uh, of both of our our retail partners and the consumers to really show what we're about as a brand and try and build on that global position uh, to really start to develop ourselves in in the UK market. So the question for me then was, why hire and not Hoover Candy or Fisher & Piper? Why hire the brand? Because hire to me is, is, if you like, the mass market brand, but you have these very specific brands that would be much more ideal, if you like, for the independent retail market. So why are you here as hire? And I guess we, we see a, a space in the market for hire. The other branch of reference that uh, are part of the business, of course, we've got can- we with the Candy and Hoover side, we've got a really nice three-branch strategy. So Candy more in the entry, Hoover in the mid-market. We want to position higher, more in that premium space. And then we've got Fisher and Pike in the super premium, if you like. So we feel there's a really natural gap there. And the, the technology and the quality of the product, we feel, really fits in that market. So we see it as a real step up from Hoover, an extension to what we've already got uh, through that brand. So if it's higher as a brand identity, for me, I would associate more with, if you like, the freestanding undercounter fridge type stuff, right? So this is a bit of a repositioning of the, of the brand for you, isn't it? It absolutely is. And, uh, and we've, we've been doing it very carefully in stages. So our multi-door refrigeration, uh, we're, we're a market leader in, in those categories. So that was our start point. You know, the, the real history of hire comes out of refrigeration. Last year, we moved more into the premium laundry segment. 
the next natural step was to look at the kitchen mm-hmm. and really look at from a built-in point of view how can we extend that consumer journey and, uh, and break into a new space. So, look, very competitive market, even just the brands that are here show what a competitive market is. What are you doing to attract you know, a whole new set of independent retailers who are more used to like the German brands? What's the package here? What's the offer? So we want to bring something that's a little bit different. We're, we're launching with a very tight range. Uh, one of the points of difference is our warranty. So we have a, a five-year, uh, past ten-year labor warranty. So uh, that's a point of difference for us because we believe in the product and we want the, the retailers to believe in the product. But again, the, the higher, longer-term philosophy is all around creating uh, an ecosystem for the consumer. Uh, so this is the next natural step towards that. We want to really uh, use the artificial intelligence technology in the products to be able to talk to each other in a way that brings real benefit to the consumer. And, and that's where we want to get our point of difference versus uh, some of our competition in the market. But I mean, to, to put you in, they've got to take someone out. Do you think the current situation or the last two years, the experience of it, has made people want to look at people perhaps they haven't looked at before or consider new brands in a way they haven't before because of the, sort of the turmoil, the upheaval, the uncertainty of things? And I think they do. I think the, the, the consumer is changing and evolving. It is more happy to look at brands that they are not aware of on the quality of the product that's there. We think about some of the brands that have come into other areas, mobile phone and, and some of the other technology areas, not known a couple of years ago, market leaders now. One thing we certainly learned through the whole of the pandemic period was people were spending a lot of time in home with their products and realised, actually, is this product really doing what I want it yeah. to do? So we saw a real change in the value of, uh, of some of the sales in the market as people were willing to invest. They couldn't spend on holidays, they couldn't spend on going out. They were willing to invest in a better quality of product that actually did something for them. Uh, we expect that trend to absolutely continue. Which is absolutely true. What about the retailers themselves? You've, in those showrooms, you've got to get them to consider a new brand that they haven't looked at before. And do you think they're more willing to do that now? I think they are. Um, I think supply chain has been, a, has been an issue for everybody in the last couple of years. Those supply chain issues aren't going to go away overnight. People who have stock are in a, in a, in a, in a strong place. We've managed our stock well through the period. It's not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I think we've done a good job and that, that's opened some doors for us. But likewise, we want to talk to the retailers about what the brand can bring, uh, how we can engage their consumer and drive that extra value through hire so that you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's about putting more money through the tills. And what advantage does being higher give you in, with those supply chain things? Does it make it more difficult or easier because you've just got such a global reach, such volume that you're producing? Is it easier or harder, given your size? I think scale helps. When you've got scale, it makes people listen. But yeah, we've, we've suffered a lot of the same issues as others. If, if there's no containers to move product, there's no containers. It doesn't matter who you are from that point of view. But I think we've, um, we've, we've made some big decisions on our supply chain in terms of stock that we have around us. We certainly felt the benefit of that in terms of some of the success that we've seen, uh, particularly with Hire, but across the wider group as well. And we know that some of those supply, that supply chain disruption we expect to continue. Obviously, uncertain world that we're living in. It's unclear at the moment exactly what's going to happen, so we need to really keep on the front foot with that. It's really difficult, isn't it? I think a lot in, the, in this country, a lot of the big brands are effectively sales and marketing operations. You, know, you don't make anything here, so you can only give people the information that you're given. So how confident are you that those lead times and whatever you're giving people are the real lead times? We've extended the lead times to try and build in um, a little bit of flex for us. Uh, sometimes the product drives a bit earlier, sometimes the product drives a bit later. Uh, to be fair, the retailers have been great. They, they understand, you know, as I say, it's a global issue, it's not just us. 
but we just have to communicate and uh, as early as we can with uh, with opportunities as well as challenges. So when stock does arrive early, that gives us an opportunity, of course. So we've just got to manage it in the, in the best way we can through this period. And, and communication is the, is the thing. It's like the new currency, isn't it? It's, it's having those conversations up front nice and early and telling people what, what you know and what you don't know is just as important. Absolutely, because it, it, it helps the retailers plan their business. The, the, the earlier notice we can give them there's going to be an issue or the earlier notice we can give them that we have some available stock, that gives them the chance to, depending on what segment they're working in, yeah. uh, be it through the house builders, if you can clean homes or... Uh, or if you through more of the traditional retail, it, it, you can manage your business in a better way. So yeah, communication is absolutely key. And how is the market for you at the moment? Clearly, you have these three very, very different brands. F and P in particular. Clearly, I, I would think of as much of a kitchen independent brand that would go up against a, a Milo or something. Um, so, what is what is the market like at the moment in those different segments? Is it still as buoyant as it was? Are we seeing a plateau? What's happening? Last year was such a boom. Mm. It was a phenomenal year for the market. We forecast some market slowdown. We see that at the moment, but we're anniversary against huge numbers. So if you look at the general shape of the market, it's still in a healthy place. Uh, smaller than was, so you've got, to, you've got to fight hard for your, your share of the pie. But we're, we're not concerned about the market. We think there's, there's, there's still life in it. We, we see uh, particular challenges around uh, housing completions uh, because of raw material availability. So that's causing a little bit of a delay in that particular segment. Some changes in retail big concern around energy prices, cost of living, uh, that tends to polarise the market in a couple of ways. The entry gets quite strongly, the, the, the top seems to t- stay quite buoyant, it's the middle that gets a little bit more challenged, so it's just making sure that we've got the right products in the right place to maximise uh, each of the segments that we play in. This is 2022, fast forward to 2024, prediction, planning, that's your job, forecasting, that's your job. But I wouldn't want to be trying to do that right now. What's your crystal ball telling you? If I had that crystal ball, it'd be worth an awful lot of money. Look, we we work in a robust market, so we expect the market to remain stable. We see that there's always opportunity there uh, for our brands to grow. As we look forward, it'll be interesting, the the, the retail base. We we saw a shift to online, which has now moved back more toward in-store again. It'll be interesting to see how that develops as we go forward. And the move from freestanding towards built-in that's been happening over the, the last few years, that will absolutely continue. So we see a stable market as we go forward and an opportunity within it to continue to grow. Well, that's great. Look, Jim, thanks so much for your time today. You've got a great stand here. And it's such an interesting story high has got to reposition the brand. So thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Jim McEwen from Hire there. And that was really interesting because there was a surprise big brand name in here for me. When I saw the name on the floor plan... I'd assumed, as I just said to him, that it would be a Fisher & Paykel stand, but no. Total positional switch for the higher brand. That'd be really interesting to see what happens if they put the full weight of the company behind that. Darren Taylor, Managing Director of Silent Taylor. Darren Morgan, Managing Director of the Designer Kitchen by Morgan and DarrenMorganDesign.com. Right, so we've got the two Darrens here. Let's start with the Taylor. How is the market for you at the moment here and now, Darren? How are you reading it? I think the market's still buoyant. I think there's a lot of activity going on. We're always on the tail end of something, whether it's renovation, a new build, 
um, or an extension, we're finding that that is always behind you know builders are struggling getting materials and things so so there's a lot of delays in our business at the moment and obviously we've still got delays with the supply issue so it's still hard work delivering but we're still busy and we are still delivering kitchens how long that's going to continue for i'm not sure i'm certainly seeing a bit of a squeeze on budgets now um, and i think that's down to the high increase of um, materials now and because we are on the tail end of that project there could be a 30, 40, 50, 60,000 pound budget and that will get squeezed because the excess pricing materials are eating into that. So that's the thing us retailers have got to watch, especially over the next three to six months. So Darren M, you're nodding away there. Yeah, I would agree with Darren. Basically, uh, in Northern Ireland, I find that the, it has been very buoyant as well. Definitely a squeeze on budgets. You know, the people who are going for the really high end are maybe considering something down a notch. Supply issues is, is, is across the board with everyone. So, I don't know, uh, the future of the market, there is a slowdown, I think, uh, across the board. It's, it's being squeezed, both in the budgets, getting materials. Uh, but there's an under, undercurrent, though. There is still a huge demand for pe- people not really getting holidays still. You know what I mean? So, so there is still a demand for renovating your house. And what I'm finding is, that, uh, particularly with the design side of the business, the consultancy that I offer, the, people are doing the preparation now. They're really getting down, they're investing in the design time. Uh, I'm delivering CGAs for people. And it allows them to sort of get their head around what's involved. People don't buy kitchens every day. You know, three, four, five in their lifetime. So it's an educational pathway for them as well. To get the design done, to invest the time and the money to get a proper design. And, and the visuals to really help people. So, Darren T, are we slowing down from a very high peak? Or are we, are we seeing it come right back down to below normal, do you think? Possibly. I, you know, what is normal at the moment? We, it's really difficult to, to judge. And, and, you know, I look back at last year's sales figures, our average order value shot right up. So the highest it's ever been over all these years. Obviously, materials are more money, so that's going to push it. But I think, you know, there is still money there. There's, it, it's just whether it's the confidence it's going to maintain, yeah. you know, with what's going on around the world, which is actually terrible. I just wonder, you know, the more conservative client out there might just pause and wait and, and see see how things pan out before they sort of go headfirst into a huge renovation or, or, or a large large kitchen which is what we're all about so um but you know and it is competitive you know for me in winchester when i first uh, came to winchester 31 years ago we were one of three kitchen companies we're now one of 14 a huge uh, competition in the high street but not only in the high street but also online um, so, you know, we're having to fight those other showrooms, some really big brands there as well, and big chains, huge marketing budgets, and, and trying to stay alive in that noise is, is hard work. I, mean, I think there's been a, there's a lot of interest in this market because it is one of the few markets that has remained very buoyant and, in, and in fact, has had a real boom during this yeah. time. Yeah. Darren M., you've mentioned supply chain issues. In fact, you both have. Clearly, that's one of the topics at this particular show are you at a point now where you feel you can manage those delays, you can plan for those delays, or are you still not very confident in the information that's coming your way? Appliances would probably be the worst. Everything else is manageable. You know, the likes of furniture, lead times have just extended. People accept that on the ground. You know, uh, you're looking at maybe 8 to 10 weeks now, you're, you know, 15 weeks plus. People know they have to get in early, and that's where the design has really helped as well. You know, people are really getting on board with that. And even, like, it's all about USPs. Like businesses have needs. You know what I mean. Businesses need to stay ahead of the competition. They need to evolve. They need to do better, and really explore new options. And what I'm finding in talking to people is they're prepared to even look beyond. The, this show is all about product. You know what? 
uh, design is the instigator of all the, the things that we do. You know, it allows things to flourish and allows the project to get off the ground. So there are companies who are looking to maybe explore different avenues within the design process in order to deliver more for their clients, better CGAs, better design innovation, in order to, to merge that with the, the fantastic products you have on display here at the show. So, so there's there's still a lot of work and, and good money to be made out there for people who are prepared to think outside the box, do things differently and not sit back on their laurels. Just because you have, have a showroom doesn't necessarily mean you have the right to get clients. You have to be innovative, you have to work at it, you really have to evolve what your business is all about. Design is one tool that uh, manufacturers and even studios should have in their toolbox. There's a lot of great designers out there, but there's other options as well. Pay and go basis, that's what I'm using, uh, offering people at the minute. It's working, I'm talking to through really really, really good people who are very well respected in the industry, but they're just looking for something different. You know what I mean? All these products are available to everyone. What's the USP that's going to set your business out in front of everyone else? That's interesting, it, Darren T, because I think one of the things that's come out with a few people conversations I've had is the, the issues that people have had over supply chain over the last years have made people more interested in looking for new things, mm-hmm. perhaps talking to suppliers that they would never have spoken to before, and perhaps really rethinking where they get all, a lot of their products. Yeah, yeah. From. I think that this is, you know, exactly what the show's all about for me is sniffing out, you know, the smaller ones around the edges of this show, which I was doing a lot yesterday, and, and seeing what there is out there. And Darren's dead right, you know. Um, I think managing client expectation now, um, we have to do that as, as designers. So our approach will be, you know, you're going to be looking for quite a long time, especially if somebody's in a rush of this. But I think Darren's clients are probably similar to mine. They start so early on in the game anyway, sometimes even before they got planning permission, which can be a bit frustrating sometimes. But So there's plenty of time to plan for that. So as businesses, we plan before we could be lazy, order, order an oven week before it was due to go out. You know, so and the longest lead time is naturally always furniture, especially with full bespoke furniture, could be eight, ten, twelve weeks. Whereas now the appliances are creeping up to 15, 20 weeks in some cases. So when we sell that kitchen, it's get everything on order. I think what's frustrating for me, where we're doing maybe quite a higher turnover of kitchens, is that you order all your appliances because you're being told it's going to be 15 to 20 weeks, and then two or three weeks later, half of it turns up, but it's never complete. And we have actually got situations now where we've got quite a few kitchens out there with holes in it. And, you know, and that's not good for, for us, the supplier, uh, the client. So it's, it's, it, you know. There's a lot of loose threads, aren't there, that end yeah. up dang- dangling down. I mean, it must always be said that I think the suppliers are trying their best. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the, everyone's dealing with this sort of unprecedented global situation they can't deal with. But are you confident now that when you're given a lead time, that that's probably what the lead time is going to be, or are you always sort of uh, no, doing your own maths in I'm your not, head? Yeah, I mean, these are many conversations we have, and I've had it thoroughly explained to me what, where, and why this happens, you know, um, and they're doing their best to control it. But no, I, you know, we're, I'm still waiting on um, a steam combination oven um, that I ordered last September. Still waiting on that. Um, you know, and there's nothing that special about it, and I just don't understand why when other products has been coming through. So there's always something sticky. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of retailers may have had enough of, the, of your bigger brands yeah. and looking at, and there, there are plenty of others, you know, I've seen that the high, high. largest appliance company in the world and, and I found out that they bought Fisher & Paykel as well, yeah. which surprised me yeah. so, um, you know, people like them I think they're, they're, they're here In they're, Northern Ireland as well, you had the Brexit issue as well, which, which added to the misery, you know what I mean, you, you couldn't get materials, you know uh, literally, uh, Northern Ireland actually felt for a long time there just after the Brexit that it was it was actually on a nosedive. You know what I mean? And, and like one of the biggest things, and Darren touched on it there, is managing client aspirations as well. When you're dealing with a lead time, that's like 
15, 20 weeks on, on, on a pr- project coming to fruition. You know, in that period of time, prices jump. Yeah. Things happen. You know, you can't get stuff. Uh, and, and, and that's... Although I found clients quite accepting of it, to do... After there's been a lot of information in the press about the price of materials, it's educated people, so they are more accepting to how the, the sands can shift a little bit. But it does make it difficult for everybody. Northern Ireland, I think, has maybe suffered a wee bit uh, more in terms of a fall in demand uh, than the mainland UK, probably because because of, of Brexit, probably because we don't have any government. All these things kind of add to the. Uh, inflexibility of what's happening on the ground uh, so yeah and then of course the dreadful circumstances that's happening now uh, that, that, that's possibly going to have an impact so given all that I mean you guys own businesses and part of your role in those businesses is to try and plan to try and forecast to try and do you know see what might happen can you how far ahead can you look to, to plan or, or process anything well, we keep plugging away at it. You know, I look at the board and I rejuggle things and then I'll get a phone call from a builder saying, oh, we're really sorry, mate, but we can't get the plaster at the moment. The floor tiler's delayed, blah, blah, blah. Then it gets pushed on another two or three weeks. Meanwhile, it gives us enough time to get the appliances in. So, you know, but... But you still must have to tell the bank manager something. Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for... There are a lot of companies out there that might have smaller, smaller accounts, um, you know, because all... Everyone's going to have an account, hopefully, but it depends on the credit limit on that account. And some companies, some smaller companies that might not be doing a lot of business with that supplier could have a small uh, account. And I am hearing stories of that. So they're ordering their appliances in, having to pay for it, not being able to order in other appliances because what they've already got on order exceeds their credit limit. Um, So that is a cash flow problem. But in the kitchen industry, I always feel there should be no reason to have problems with cash. You know, we're quite fortunate in the fact that we can command high deposits. So when we sell a kitchen, we normally get like 40% deposit. I think some people get higher as well. If you're getting lower, up it. Definitely you want 40% minimum. Um, And cleared funds before delivery. So there should never be a reason, if we've got all the clients' money, to then not be able to pay our suppliers. But I think credit limit and cash flow is is tricky for some I suppose that's the difference now, isn't it, that you might order 20 ovens in one go if you've got the space. Yeah. You know, and people different. have been doing that, yeah. and if you've got the money in the deep pockets, but but a lot of people can't. You know, and space is now a premium. Our warehousing costs have gone up. The, the pinch is coming all round now, and, and now we're dreading the you know the heat, light, and power, yeah. which is a fairly low cost in business. But now it's starting to become you know yeah. quite a high one. So, so look, Darren, you're you know an ambitious guy. You've got your own company. Can you plan anything? How much far are you planning ahead in in terms of business planning as opposed to project planning? Well, in terms of projects that we're dealing with, it can be anywhere up to three years ahead. You know, uh, people, uh, I think Darren and I was just discussing it, his clients are the same. They really come in at a very early stage. Northern Ireland uh, is a little bit different in terms of markets. Uh, My my clients are nearly always exclusively new builds. So the new build properties, I'm dealing with them from literally before a digger goes on the site because a lot of architects are sending clients to me uh, to find answers for the design part of it, you know, yeah. Yeah. so, so what, what goes where? So, like, I have one guy who sends his clients up to me and just says, Look, uh, there's, the, there's the footprint, uh, send it to Darren, he'll design the inside of the house, bring it back to me, and I'll get it passed. So, that's how far ahead you're actually working. When you're actually looking to fit, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a real juggling match because if you have something delayed, as Darren touched on there, and you have a knock on effect for the next project, and like, literally, I, I had a client uh, who was very, very upset because she couldn't get the handles because they were discontinued I had her phone around all the different studios all around the country I actually managed to get the handles but it's managing the aspirations people 
put their hearts and soul into their homes, particularly now they're not getting away. There is still a demand there. They really want a kitchen or bathrooms. They're aspirational products. Mm. Their neighbours are interested, their friends and family are interested, and there's a lot of pressure on the people that's actually purchasing. So that, unfortunately, gets passed down the pipe to the likes of Darren and myself. We're uh, facing them off in the showroom, and then I suppose we're, we're trying to manage all the aspirations, the problems with the clients, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a hornet's nest, but what I would say is the KBB industry is a very professional industry. Uh, we're very good at what we do. There's a great network, and people are always trying to find solutions for other people that they're working with. And we'll have, we've gelled well through all of the turmoil that's happened through COVID and and Brexit and everything we've, we've come I think, out I think the attitude that you need to, is that all the things you're talking about are a very nice problem to have yeah, you know. yeah I mean that is true you know you're not hearing a KBB companies going under and going bust and, and all sorts of horrible things going on you know everybody we are all busy um, it's just harder work it's harder work um, to, just to yeah stay still sometimes it does feel like one step forward and, and two steps back you know you organise like you were saying you, you get the uh, the fitter organised, the hand painter at the end, the template, and, and, and when that gets knocked on a week or so, you've, you've got one do all of that. So we're constantly doing that, and also you rely on really good fitters. And 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 if you knock on a fitter and he's into the next job, then how do you get that last job installed? And, and then you have to take them off a job to go back. Yeah, to and then job. that annoys the other clients, and we're trying to make everybody happy. But anxiety and stress stress levels for me in the last couple of years is definitely at its highest. Yeah. Trying to man because I hate letting people down. I you know I want everyone to be happy and it. And it, and it hurts when people um, aren't wonderfully over the moon because they're missing handles or, or, or something. So, you know, and the worst one is a damaged appliance. You know, you've waited all that time and then for whatever reason, it might have been us, I don't know, someone's dropped it, it's damaged, and we've got to go through it again. a hero as well because yeah. you found the handles. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, it turned negative. And they were positive, and they remember you. Yeah, they will tell everyone that. So, so, so something very negative. If, if everybody just grabs hold of the rope and pulls it the same yeah, direction yeah. and gets a job done, that will win more business in the future. Yeah. But certainly, that, that's why I'm, I've also branched out into the design consultancy because it's uh, it's the to furnish and create options that are available to the clients right across the world. You know, we're dealing with clients in Canada. You know, we're dealing with clients in England here, and I'm based in a very small rural village in County Armagh in, in Northern Ireland. He is living the dream. Yeah. Oh, living the dream. Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, during lockdown, it wasn't too bad because there's plenty of wide open spaces, so plenty of walking. Uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, you have that opportunity to become a hero and, and really establish your business as, as one that goes that extra mile yeah, yeah. to get the job done. Yeah. So you know, the big boys would struggle today. Yeah, yeah. it would yeah. just be a no. Sorry, you're going to have to wait. Whereas yeah, we're ripping ovens out of our showrooms, fitting them, and then swapping them back again. Look, chaps, thanks so much for your time. It's a very busy day here. So look, Darren, thank you. Thanks, Robert. Darren. Thank so you, Darren. Well, thank you, Andy, and good luck. Thank you very much, Darren Morgan and Darren Taylor. Darren Squared. That's very interesting, wasn't it? Two very good retailers and designers essentially saying that they're constantly battling this mismatch between the level of demand and the availability of product, as well as the need to push their own businesses on and find new avenues and opportunities to make sure that when the current demand does wane, they're still in a good position. Really interesting. Rashpal Sidhu, Managing Director of Walker UK and Ireland. Rashpal, we're here in the, well, always very plush 
rocker suite here that you have yeah. alongside the actual main show area. How important is it for you and this brand to, to get back in front of people again after all this time? It's very important. This is the first time in two years where we've had the opportunity. Obviously, COVID's impact restricted us all, but we've had the opportunity to engage with our customers in a big way. So we've been engaging with our customers throughout but in a big way. We've got all our salespeople. We've got some exciting new products, fabulous new products. I'm sure you've had a look around in this fantastic setting. And we're, together we're engaging in one place in a big way. Really exciting. Does it feel a little bit back to normal? Is this, is this what normal is again now? I think the lifting of restrictions a few weeks ago is really important. If those restrictions were still in place, this might be different. But, yeah, this is probably the new normal. And I think, hopefully, we we need to come back to normal as quick as we can, whatever that normal line is going to be. But I think everyone here today is positive and still got a few people in mass. But as you should be, people should still tend to be, be taking precautions, as we're happy to do understand. But, yeah, this is a new normal. But we're all anxious for life to come back to normality as quick as possible. Yeah, and it is great just to, to actually just sort of walk into people and bump into yeah, people. Absolutely and see and people again, yeah, absolutely, and handshake and a little cuddle, which we weren't doing for two years. No, no, it's no. nice, yeah. So, look, what's your assessment here? What's your snapshot of the market, of, of how it actually is at the moment here and now? You know, at the start of March, there's lots of things happening in the world. We're coming out of one crisis and heading into another. Yeah. What's your view of, of, of how the market is right now? Worldwide market has gone through, it's turbulent, obviously less about the war happening in Russia, Ukraine. Us, I'll talk about us more if I yeah. can. I think it's always more relevant to me, to us. It's busy. We're doing well. Really exciting year for us, actually. We're investing in ourselves. Well, firstly, let's have a look at what we've done here. You yeah. said we've got a great stand. Excellent. We're fully representing new product. We're actually hiring new salespeople. We're hoping for a fantastic year of growth this year. We're really buoyant. We're really confident. So, obviously, there was a, a real sort of post-lockdown boom or, yeah. or even during yeah. the lockdown boom that happened. Do you, do you see that sort of stretching off into the future a little bit? Always difficult to have a crystal ball and be 100%. I mean, 2020 was, was really challenging. 21, there was a strong bounce back. This year has started strong, both in the industry and for us. I guess my job is to make sure that Rocker UK and Ireland have a really positive year and that's what we're quite confident about yeah. yeah we've got some exciting things going up and we're looking to maximise those opportunities we control what we can control because of course you have yeah. your fingers in lots of pies don't you so yeah. you obviously have your retail market which is obviously what, yeah. what we're doing here but then you also have a lot of contract work and builders mm, and, and absolutely that kind of and yeah the, we're really well and represented that, and that construction market is still very strong as well isn't yeah it? construction market strong retail strong we're hoping the new products that we're launching here again gives us a lift in, in, in both all our brands we've got new products on Walker Laufen we've got some new furniture ranges from a recent group acquisition royal which is represented at the top so again gives us something new to take to our customer base allowing us to propel forward okay so one of the big issues we've got at the show here is supply chain and yeah. what the available product availability yeah. what's the current status of rocco in that kind of area not just in our in, in our industry but just generally as, as a worldwide economy there are issues in supply chain we're fortunate that the rocker group given sort of how we finance ourselves that we managed to sort of expand our manufacturing base and we recovered quickly from from the COVID shutdown, we actually we didn't really shut our factories, but quickly being able to supply. So supply, yeah, issues, but we're actually coping while we're supplying logistics and just the supply chain, transport, containers is an issue. Difficult. Everyone's finding it difficult, but what we have got is great supply from the factories and actually some great transport partners, both from international, uh, European, and domestically, or whether they're ours or from our group chain. So it's man, it's making sure that we've got the product coming through and keeping going. So far, so good. I mean, are you able to 
give reasonable uh, sort of lead times or accurate lead times to people. I think a lot of the time people will be fine with it as long as the information they're getting is, is correct. Are you confident in the, in the information you're giving people? Yeah, I sort of had this question from somebody else, so it's sort of mm. just as a general question that sort of what you don't want to do is go to the term is, is BS your customers and give them really exaggerated supply chains and then near the time let them down and actually have egg on your face. We have this great system, we know what our factors do, we know what our logistic partners do, so we're quite able to give very good accurate data to our customers, or where we do predict a problem, on very few cases we can actually talk to our customers, hopefully supply alternatives, and we'll couple with the fact that we've got this fantastic warehouse over at Barden where we've got a really strong stock holding without stock holding both here in UK but also in Ireland it means that we have got sort of fantastic stock available locally on the ground but also lots coming through all the time and can you give us any idea of when you think that might all get back to normal again or is it just is predicting things just impossible that's, that's a difficult question, probably the hardest one. I mean, so just talking worldwide from China, where we've been through, we've been through quite a bit. We're trying to sort of talk to our logistic partners, and they're really good actually, and, and really helped us massively through, through Brexit and all those challenges. So I, I, we trust them really, really implicitly. And they're saying it's difficult to to see Chinese sort of containers coming back on board quickly, both in terms of supply but also prices. Might be challenging you. Yeah. I mean, we're confident we can get through it, but just generally as a worldwide sort of way, where the position is worldwide, take a little while to set, settle down. And, you know, you've said you haven't got a crystal ball and nobody has, yeah. but what's your vision for, you know, two, three, five years' time? Really exciting, actually. Yeah. We're really exciting. Despite any challenges that may or may not exist in the worldwide environment, I know what our target is so in terms of growth. When we're looking to grow, we're really excited. That was Rashpal Sidhu, the new UK MD of Rocker. He's taken over from Alan Dodds, who's stepping into the chairman's role. Never met before, so it was very good to do that. He's very enthusiastic and positive, which is great. Actually, the bathroom side of this show is the part that's missing some of the really big brands, I think, other than Rocker. But the present here in a sort of off-hall side room is very impressive, and they have some interesting new stuff. And every time I've walked past it, it's been absolutely packed. So my name is Jonathan Hartley. I'm UK channel manager for kitchen retail at Samsung Electronics UK. Okay, so that's the winning job title so far in terms of Scrabble letters, which is good. <laughs> so look, you're here at the show, big stand for Samsung, big presence here this time around. Yeah. How important is it, do you think, just to get back in front of people personally? Personally and as a business, hugely important hugely important. I think a lot of us have spent a lot of time looking at MS Teams or whatever platform we use to communicate to each other and you can only go so far with that. I think the hybrid approach is good and that's something that as a business we're looking to work towards but you can never get past pretty much what we're doing now and it's speaking face to face, eye to eye communicating, you know, talking understanding and most of all at this show presenting and I think you get real flavour for engagement when you present to people in a 3D aspect rather than just 2D. And you can see it because your stand's really busy and it's buzzing, you've got people cooking on there. I mean, it's, it's proper old-school exhibition technique, isn't it, which is, just, which is great. It is, it is. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing things at work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something where we actually are very, very strong. We develop technology that's new. We bring on new features, aesthetics, but our core fundamentals retain them mm-hmm. because if they work, that's what we need to do. And you're right, what you see today, A, we've got great placement of stand. You know, so we've got an attraction and a footfall of people coming in. You're right, it's busy, people are engaging. And also, you're going to miss out on seeing some of the new products that are being launched if you don't turn up. So one of the things that this show always gives us a chance to do is get a kind of snapshot of where we are. Mm. You've been in this industry a long time, not just with Samsung. What's your 
view of what the state of the market is right now? Where are we? I think people have had to change a lot. Uh, this hybrid approach, as we've mentioned, has changed a lot. I think the state of the market is that kitchen retailers, they still recognise that footfall needs to come through that door. Um, I think they want to build that engagement, those relationships back up. But what they've definitely done is they've improved the way that it connects. So their online presence has become better. Their websites have become stronger. And that's something that we've helped them with at Samsung. In the past, we've mentioned that we've provided digital assets. But there are so many more people that could be contacting us as part of the kitchen circle that we talked about relaunching here. That's where we support, we educate, we reward that's training, that's webinars, it's all the things that we've done through lockdown, we want to continue so we give that support and balance to what the retailer needs. The state of the market at the moment, I think the state of the market has enthusiasm to continue to grow, I think it has an enthusiasm to take on board new ideas and new products and I actually see from talking to people and listening and watching, there's a real change coming in this market I think the consumers of today are definitely going to be different consumers of tomorrow and we're recognising that movement very quickly at the moment. In, in what way? We engage very early on with our clients so be it through tablet, TV they know the brand of Samsung they've grown up with the brand of Samsung and what we do is we actually work communicating with them, ensuring that our marketing and our touch points bring them through our journey so a lot of people now, you know, that maybe 10 years ago weren't even thinking about appliances because they've grown up with the brand, they see that we're doing appliances, they see the technology in those appliances, and already they're engaged and they want that appliance. So it changes that purchase to a desire purchase, and also brand recognition and brand loyalty. That's a big thing in this market, because it starts to play around and mess and change the dynamics and the infrastructure of the kitchen market, and that's what we're here to do. A, to be a disruptor, and B, to ensure that we grow market share through doing that. One of the big topics at the show here, I'm sure you've been asked about it on that stand, is supply chain and mm-hmm. supply chain problems that people may have. It's a global issue it's not a particular brand issue well, how do you sum up Samsung status at the moment? Because you're in a slightly different position to others in that there's these chips that are causing all the issues, you've kind of got a big part of them because you're Samsung Yeah I think, I think to answer your question there, supply and chips are two different things, mm-hmm. it's all well and good having them it's actually getting them from where they are to where yeah. they need to be and I think, yeah, we've done okay, but we've not been without our own problems. And since we last spoke, we've managed those problems as they've come to us. There are problems that are out of all of our personal and uh, you know, business uh, ways of managing, and we, we just have to work with those. Uh, I think, obviously, with fuel prices, you know, the ability to buy containers at the right rates, the time frame for containers to grow in the UK, you know, those, those hurdles are still there. And what we need to do is actually ensure that we work with them what we have done with the new platform, though, is we've consolidated the amount of parts that we need to make. So we've got consistency across handles, LED screens, colour screens. Also, the parts that it needs to make the appliances, we don't need as many as we did in the old range. So therefore, the factory has a much more streamlined platform. It allows our economy of scale to actually be managed in the right way. And also, the stock that we're doing as part of this launch is being built now, so it's going to be already on its way to the UK for arrival in June. Outside of that, it's very difficult with everything that's going on around the world to really predict what we do. We have to work with it. Um, We always forecast for success. I've said that before, so we always forecast over where we need to be so that we can grow in the market. Um, But that doesn't mean that, you know, like other businesses, we've found some stock outs as well. You've put in some interesting workarounds there, for want of a better term. That comes after two years' experience of having to sort this out. I think one of the biggest complaints has been about communication, you know, across the board this is. People can work with long lead times as long as those lead times are accurate. Mm. 
So how confident are you that you know, the information you're getting from your, you know, the supply chain of review is, is, the, is the right information that is going to come through that people can plan their own businesses with it? Okay, so um, our factories are our factories. Mm. Our stock team and control and stock management team are our people. So there is very much good in a seamless sort of communication, both from factory through to the UK or any of our subs throughout you know, the globe. But the delay comes from the bits we can't control. So as I always say, control the controllables. You know, the bits that we can control is what we do in the factory and what we do when it arrives in the UK. The bit in between, we can't. But reality is, we are working as best we can to ensure that the dates we're communicating stick to the dates that we are promising that delivery. Our supply is getting better again now on some of the key lines that we were out of, and customers are starting to see that now come into waterline of stock. Um, but let's remember that the product that's coming in now is going to be end of life and this whole new platform comes in in June. So what we're really doing is facilitating back orders, facilitating current business, knowing that there'll be a volume of products available when we go full launch in June after the displays we've taken at this show at Kimmy Bay. It's, it's a strange phenomenon based on what's happening at the moment, isn't it? This idea that you want to launch new product, great, fantastic, of course you do, but a factor that you probably have never really had to deal with before is will we have enough of it to, to go around? That's a really good shout. Um, it's the balance, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we've got um, a really good launch and a really good entry of new products. And then we've got to ha- also have a really good exit of all products so that we don't have too much or too little. Um, and obviously any delay in entry of new product causes you that gap because you forecast where your you know, end-of-life product stocks. Um, we're good at that. We do it a lot with our phones. Our phones come out very regularly, yeah. so we're very good at knowing how to exit an entry. Uh, and again, we just use those brand skills around what we're doing in, in digital built-in appliances. Um, you can plan for everything. Mm. But as I say, you can control the controllables, and that's what we're trying to do. What is going to happen next, do you think? You know, is there a way of planning? Is there a way of predicting? How do you sit in front of your computer and go, right, here's what's going to happen in 2025? I can answer that in three ways, three simple ways. We look at the market share and where we want it to be. Yeah. I think all we can focus on is, uh, you know, there's a lot going on around us. There's a lot that the competition are doing, and it's very much about us having the eyes on where we want to be. So let's look at our own business. Let's look at where we need to be within that business from a market share point of view, from an estate point of view, showrooms, point of display, um, actual share of showroom as well across all categories. So there's a focus that comes across from there as well. Um, And then the last part of that journey really is where do we want to be? Well, we want to be known by the consumer as a brand that they trust, tick, we know that already, a brand that they're loyal to, tick, but let's apply this now to the cooking, the refrigeration, all of our built-in home appliances, and let's grow and take that journey that they're probably already having with our TVs, probably already having with you know our mobiles, our phones, or you know the accessories like the Galaxy Watch. We're coming to you as a one Samsung. That's the approach. And certainly internally how we're operating is we're collaborating. And that makes us a really strong force within this industry because it means that we've got connections with our B2B colleagues, we've got connections with our TV colleagues. And as a technology brand, that is where the differentiation comes. We're not just a manufacturer of appliances, and we've said this all along. So when we come together, we're very strong, and we deliver things in a way that we can be very quick to market, bring the assets, bring the rich media and the support for all of those customers that are looking for change. And if they're still sitting with existing products currently, I think now's the time maybe they actually want to start thinking, let's have a chat with Samsung. As you said, you're relaunching the Kitchen Circle here. 
so why is that important in the way that Samsung operates? Because that is slightly different to the way that phones and tablets and everything work. It's this idea to have kind of this preferred partner relationship building route. That is the bit where this is different to other Samsung products. So why is that important to have that and to relaunch it here in such a strong way? This industry is built on trust, it's built on support, and it's great that somebody can buy a product, but a product's only as good as the service and power behind it. And Kitchen Circle for us, because it's an engagement point you know, for us, it means that we haven't had the chance to train retailers because they've not been wanting to come out of the showrooms. We haven't had the chance to actually engage with them, and that's been the biggest part. So, you know, actually showing them products, training, that, that for us is all part of it, because sticking a product in the showroom as a display doesn't work actually engaging that customer as to why and how to sell it does work uh, and that's the reason that Kitchen Circle's there. The other bit is we want to evolve it. We want people that come on board with Samsung to feel part of a club. They want to feel that it's not just the product, they're getting updates about the new products, getting updates about you know what we're doing with new technology and also being brought into the fold where we can cascade information down to them. At the moment that information is where they come to us and look at it. We want to be a reciprocal two-way street with Kitchen Circle. I suppose the difference is Kitchen Circle, obviously everybody has their own preferred partner sure. thing, don't they? So yeah. do you end up just sort of, you end up competing with the, the, the terms and conditions of that, don't you? You end up competing with the, the pros and cons of why you'd be an AEG partner over an F partner over a Samsung partner. It's really interesting. We're, we actually uh, are not focusing on the terms and conditions here. Right. We're actually focusing on a growth structure, and we're focusing on actually working with kitchen retailers to engage them with a more of an attachment rate. But if our other competitors are working on terms, uh, and, and that's the way of being inclusion, we're, we're not working on that. We're working on staying away from the terms so that we focus more on product, support, educate, and reward. And, and that, for me, is fundamentals, because it takes out all of the reading through the scripture of what the kitchen circle actually is as far as the terms and conditions inclusion and look at it as more of if I get on board how can I sell more refrigeration how can I sell more dishwashing because I might just be buying all of the cooking at the moment and if I'm buying cooking I'm missing out on an opportunity to grow my revenue well I don't feel comfortable selling dishwashers well why because I don't know much about Samsung dishwashers let us support educate and reward you come and talk to us Samsung ambassador training program all of these things that connect what is the kitchen circle partner that's the bit we've not done. Two years of not being able to have these training opportunities. So every retailer that signs up now, you know, you've got to bear in mind we've got a really strong estate of retailers now since 2018 across the whole of the UK. So what we do is we retain the existing retailers, we bring on new retailers who are the ones that are coming to us at the show. And already it's clear to say, Andy, the bulk of the people that we're talking to are a mixture of new and existing. This isn't just our existence day. We've got new people coming on saying, I want Samsung. And I think I come back to this desire bit. Yeah. And that desire for us is the bit we've got to you know, capture. Well, that's a great place to finish. Jonathan, thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. That was Jonathan Hartley from Samsung. And a bit like higher earlier, their stand was busy with people... I think many were probably taking a serious look at a different brand than maybe haven't before. And again... Really nice product, backed up by one of the biggest consumer brands in the world. So, in an already competitive market of appliances, it's going to get more and more complicated, I think. Well, that's it for this episode. I think we'll be back with the second of these two KBB Birmingham specials in a few days. I'm off to find someone giving out free beer. I'll see you at the next one.